All right, well, good morning. Good morning. Well, I've almost recovered, in case anybody was wondering, from reverb. But to be fair, I went there part of the night. I did come back before the end to, uh, you know, preserve my own sanity, I think. But uh, it was a lot of fun. I got to hang out, and David and Rachel did a great job uh, with our kids, and so I was thankful to be a part of it. And I always get a kick out of going for one reason in particular. Uh, we go to the events afterwards, and people are talking, and then we get to talk with uh, other pastors or youth leaders that are there. And uh, one of the men who was there, he was leading another group, started talking to him. I said, yeah, we're with, uh, yes, who are you with? I'm with First Baptist Church, Elba. And, oh, that's so great. He's like, are you the youth pastor there? I said, well, I'm the pastor. <laughs> I'm the pastor there, but um, now we got a great guy, youth guy, uh, David, who uh, does an awesome job, and he's like, oh, okay. So I never know quite what that means, but uh, yeah, thankfully, over three years ago, um, the church brought uh, me and my family here to serve as the pastor. So um, if for nothing else, I like to go to Reverb just to be reminded of how young I am. So uh, I hope I hope you're having a good day today. And maybe uh, if you got to go to the game, it was really awesome, by the way. Um, I've been to a lot of different sports venues, but uh, yeah, that Rochester uh, Americans um, arena there, all the kids. I don't know how they were doing it, too. They knew all the 80s songs when they would come on. I was like, how is this happening? How is this happening? So uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. A great environment, and we won too, so that was great, all right? Uh, and so today we'll be in our series. Uh, if you're new with us, then welcome here in person. Uh, if you're online, then uh, we're glad that you're here as well. Uh, we've been in the series for a few weeks now. It's called The Wise Way. If we ever needed wisdom, if we ever needed to know uh, the right thing to do, the best decisions to make in life, well, we can turn to one place, and that's God and His Word. And so we're reminded of that here in Proverbs as Solomon shares wisdom to his sons, uh, God gives us wisdom as well um, for making good decisions in life. Uh, and so the title today is Discretion. Um, and so what you might think of that, uh, what might come to your mind is, uh, well, uh, to know the right thing to say at the right time. That's one of the things we think about with discretion. Uh, but Solomon's going to be talking about how do we make wise choices? How do we make good decisions? What are the instructions we need? And then what are the results of those? So we'll get to see a lot of that today in this text. Uh, and sometimes we make it more difficult. As we go throughout the Proverbs, they become a little more simpler than we make them sometimes. How do we make good choices? Well, it's impossible. How do we know what the right choice is at the right time? Well, God makes it clear, and there's really only a few steps, and I want to share a few with you today. And so, uh, <clears throat> with that, I'll share a story just before we get started. Um, when I was going through this, and I was just going, discretion, how do we make wise choices? What are examples of people who have maybe made bad choices in the past? And a story came to my mind. It was one that I'd heard many times as a child about making good choices. It's the story of the scorpion and the fox. You may remember it. Uh, the scorpion is walking along a riverbed, and he, of course, wants to cross. Well, the scorpion cannot get across on his own. So what does he do? Well, he looks for someone to give him a ride, and he comes upon a fox, and he looks at the fox, and he says, Mr. Fox, wouldn't you be willing to give me a ride across this river? And the fox looks at him, and he goes, I'm not going to give you a ride. You would sting me if I gave you a ride, and then, well, things would go bad for both of us. And so the scorpion reasons with him, and he says, Mr. Fox, if you give me a ride, well, uh, why would I sting you if I stung you? then we would both drown. And so the fox goes, well, I guess that makes sense. And 
he jumps on board and he gives them a ride and they get about halfway across this river. And what happens? The scorpion rears back and he stings the fox. And so as the fox, he, he's stung, he's shocked and he starts to struggle as the poison fills his veins and he, he's not going to make it to the other side. So they both are not going to make it. And he, he looks up at the scorpion and he says, why would you sting me? Now we'll both drown. And the scorpion, well, he looks at him and he goes, I can't help it. It's in my nature. So that's the story ends. Both drowned. And, and that just reminded me, sometimes we hear these stories, especially growing up, and they're a reminder of good decisions, things that we can look to to go, okay, well, how can I be wise? How can I just be practical and logical? But God's Word gives us a little bit more than that, not just about sometimes who we should and shouldn't trust, but what really is the right thing to do when it comes to God and His Word. And so with that, we'll jump into the first fill-in-the-blank, trust in the Lord, as you might have guessed. Trust in the Lord. There's only two of these today, and so what I want to run through is just, uh, it's 24 verses, but there's a lot of good stuff in here, so I don't want to miss anything, but um, yeah, I want to try to use our time well. So in verse 1, it says, My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. So, you know, most of us, when, if we were asked, like, who do you go to? When you need to make an important decision, we would say God. We would say, well, God's word, but, but practically, how does that play itself out? When we trust certain people in life, too, well, we give them the opportunity to speak wisdom into our lives. And that list may be smaller than some of us would like to admit. But Solomon says, my son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. Commandments that come from the Lord. Now, there were a lot of people in Solomon's time who wanted the throne. Uh, there were even family members, even his own sons at times that were like, you know, if really push came to shove, I would kill you to get the throne. And that's how it kind of was like growing up in ancient times. So we'll see that as we read this, Solomon's giving wisdom to his sons, to his family. But then at the end of all of this, he's going to remind us where his peace comes from, where his trust comes from. And it's found in the Lord. Um, I was listening to a uh, Christian rap artist uh, by the name of NF. If you listen to his songs, he's pretty good. And in this, he, uh, in one of his newer albums, he had a song called Trust. And this was one of the lines in it. He said, I'm helping people I love. My life is not what it was. I do whatever I must, count on one hand who I trust. And it's difficult, right? I mean, life is difficult, right? We trust in certain people. And in Solomon's time, too, he was like, well, I don't even know if I can trust my family. But who can I trust? If I can trust maybe even on just a, on a few fingers, probably was my guess who he could trust. The Lord was number one in his life. And we read Proverbs 1 a few weeks ago, but I want to read just one verse out of that again. In verse 4, it says, To give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Well, where do we find this? Where do young people find it? We were just talking about um, Allie, who has her birthday today, right? That's awesome. Uh, and so turning 14, right? So she's still looking. We should all still be looking for knowledge and discretion and wisdom, which comes from the Lord. But every year, you know, I think about that. I'm like, okay, on my birthday, what's one thing that I learned? How did God grow me? And so I ask the same question. You know, think about those things, Allie and everybody. It's like you, the Lord gives you more time. Like, what are we doing with that? Are we, are we using it well or not? Are we growing? Proverbs 11.22 says, like a gold ring in a pig's snout is a beautiful woman without discretion. And we think about this when it comes to purity and accountability and, and someone who would say, I'm going to take a gift that God gave me 
and I'm not going to use it well. I'm not going to have discretion. So that's in regard to the way that we live and act. <clears throat> so the question is, as we get into this, there's this first set of instructions, but then there's going to be a result. So you got verse 1 and verse 2. Verse 2 is the result. For length of days and years of life and peace, they will add to you. So <clears throat> here's what Solomon's saying. As you practice life, as you practice going about and doing things, there's this length of days and years of life and peace that will be added to you as you accomplish this, as you gain knowledge and discretion. It's not about like, oh, I got another year. That's just great. Um, and we kind of have this vision of like, I want to I live to 100. I want to live to you know, whatever. And we think that like that's the goal. But what Solomon is talking about, he's not talking about quantity of life. He's talking about quality, right? And so what does that come from? Well, through knowing God deeply and intimately. And this is why he says here, for length of days, and the word here for length is the word in the Hebrew, erek, and it means forbearance, self-restraint, or patience of days. So as we live patiently, as David talked about in the quiet time, as we live patiently in a world filled with wickedness, filled with difficulty, um, filled with trouble, we go, where does our strength come from? Where does our hope? Well, for length of days, this forbearance, self-restraint, or patience of days and years of life, as God gives those to us, we can grow in knowledge and wisdom. And, and what else? Well, it says here, years of life and peace. This word here you'll see throughout the Proverbs. It's the Hebrew word shalom. You may have heard it before somewhere else. Maybe you know someone who is of a Jewish background. When they say this, it means a lot more than just like, you know, peace, man, <laughs> right? It's not just about, you know, uh, do whatever you want or do what makes you happy. No, this is about a shalom. This is about a peace that surpasses all understanding for us. It's, it's like this idea of, of quiet or tranquility or contentment. Christy and I were just talking about that this week. Um, we uh, got the opportunity to just kind of hang out around the reverb time frame with some of her family that came into town, and uh, we were talking about our family and um, what the wonderful blessing of, of having all of our kids and family, and we were looking at each other, and I'm like, I don't know that I would change anything, like right now. I mean, it's like you can take all the bad stuff and go, I... <laughs> Maybe I would have done without that, but God has taught us through all of that as well. So it's not like we can just go, I would take all the good stuff, but not the bad stuff, right? And so we have to keep this in perspective that our peace and our shalom doesn't just come from everything being perfect. It comes from God teaching us in the midst of all life situations and then trusting him. So we have to trust, right? So what does verse 3 says? Well, it turns the focus to love and faithfulness. It says in verse 3, Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And so all through the Proverbs, too, we're seeing this theme of um, uh, our trust coming from the Lord. Like we, we get that from Him. And then He gives us this steadfast love. Uh, this word in the Hebrew is the word hesed. And it's specifically God's loving kindness, right? It's not about, like, um, we think about loving things. It's not like you loving tacos, or I should say pizza around here, right? Pizza and wings. It's not about us loving those things, even though they're good. But when uh, Solomon says this, he says, not lo- let not steadfast love. And he's talking specifically about this loving kindness that God gives to us. When we come to this place where, like, our peace comes from God, he says, don't let this go, this loving kindness that God gives to, gives to us and faithfulness forsake you. Where should those go? Again, throughout the Proverbs, we're going to see this theme of, like, these good attributes, this, uh, this way of godliness. Uh, don't let it go. Keep it close to you. Hold it tight to you. Where should we put it? Around our neck. You see in other places uh, in the Scripture 
But where would they write those things? Where would they write Bible verses? Like they put up God's word like above the doorpost at their gates when they were going in because we're forgetful, right? Like we, we go about our days and we, we get busy or we get stressed out and we, we stop thinking about the things of God and we think about all the other reasons why we should be fearful or worrisome about everything else going on, right? Well, Solomon reminds him, hey, there's going to be there's going to be days, all right? So uh, let not the steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Um, and so in Numbers 14, 18, this word for steadfast love is here as well. It says, the Lord, he's slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. Aren't you thankful for that? Like I get up in the morning and I'm thinking like, man, I've already disappointed God. But what, is, what does he do? Well, he never lets us down, right? He always upholds his end of the deal and he's abounding in the steadfast love for us. What's the result of this? Verse 4, right? So we got, remember, instruction and then result. It keeps going back and forth. Verse 4, so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. And again, this is this reminder. We've talked about it this morning. It's not necessarily achieving this immediate blessing or this immediate benefit. It's about trusting the Lord and then going, okay, if I trust the Lord, I have access to what? His loving kindness, His faithfulness. I can't let go of those things. And as a result, what am I going to find? Favor and good success in the sight of God and man. And luckily, we live, we're about to celebrate this next week, uh, Veterans Day. Uh, we live in a place that's free, and people paid the price for that. And, and we don't have to live in this place where people are attacking us um, for our faith, at least physically right now, right, for the most part. And so we get to walk in this way of I can live freely, I can serve God, I can go to church. And as people see us, they see the, the outcome of that, right? Uh, that person's wise. It's like Solomon says, like, sons, don't forget it, wear around your neck, because when you go places, when you do things, when you're in the market, wherever you are, people are going to see that and go, there's something different about that, that person, right? <clears throat> don't forget it. The Proverbs 2.11 says, discretion will watch over you, understanding will guard you. Right. In verse 5, so we've got another set of instructions, right? We're going to keep going. <clears throat> it says, trust the Lord with all your heart. You may have heard this verse before. And do not lean on your own understanding. Now, there's a lot of stuff in this. And so what does Solomon say? He says, hey, remember the one true God that we serve. Yeah, there's a lot of other gods around us and other nations. And people are constantly going, hey, serve this God for this. Serve that God for that. He says, no, we're going to serve one God. We're going to serve the one true God, Jehovah. And when we see this in the English, it's usually in like all uppercase. When it says Lord in your Bible, it's talking about Jehovah, the one true God. And so when the Hebrew people saw that, they were like, wow, that's the one true God, right? They're not talking about a lot of other people. And Solomon uses this word for a reason. And so what does he say? He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Does that just mean like, you know, half-heartedly? I'll trust in him a little bit, sometimes when I feel like it. Now he says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And this word here in the Hebrew for heart is labay. And it just means the inner man, the mind, the will, understanding who we are. And it's easy to fool people, right? But at the end of the day, I mean, you lay your head on your pillow at night, like, who are we really fooling? There's no point in fooling God. He already knows. So we're going to trust in the Lord with all our heart. Solomon hopes his sons will do this. And to what? And to not lean on our own understanding. So as we walk through this passage, Solomon is going to compare and contrast like, don't trust in yourself, trust in the Lord. Don't trust in these other things, trust in God. Everything about yourself, like your flesh, your own desires are going to let you down, but don't worry, God never does. His loving kindness, his faithfulness we have access to. So this don't trust in your own understanding. This word b'nai in the Hebrew uh, just means our own discernment. The Proverbs will also say there's this way that seems right to man that in the end leads to death. 
So what's this journey of wisdom for us knowing God? It's about continually going, this may be what I feel like doing right now. This is what I might think is right, but what does God want me to do? And we have to constantly be asking ourselves those questions. We're going through that with the girls right now. Um, the word no is popular right now in my house. <laughs> so no, no, no. What would God want you to do? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, it's, it's a good thing for all of us to think about as we continue to grow in knowledge and wisdom. And then verse 6, here's the result. In all your ways acknowledge him, and what will he do? He will make straight your paths. Well, this is good news for us, right? As we seek the Lord, like he, he wants us to be to do well in life in regards to knowing him, right? He's not, he's not just like waiting there for us to make a mistake, to hurt us, to harm us, to push us into places of despair. No, he, what does he do? Well, in all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. So what, what does God do? He opposes the proud. Do we ever wonder sometimes, like when we fall into this place of like, you know what, I can do it, or you know what, I'm, I'm really great, and so I think I know what's going on here. I've got all the skill, I've got all the knowledge, I've got all the wisdom, but what does God's word say? He says, in all your ways, acknowledge him. So if we're seeking him wholeheartedly, right, then, then what is he going to do? We'll acknowledge him, and he's going to make our paths straight. In verse number seven, so we got more instruction. Be not wise in your own eyes. This is following this way of pride. He says, be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Now, what's a central theme? I mean, of the entire Bible. We see it all throughout Proverbs, but he says here, be not wise in your own eyes. What happened to most of the guys who like, made monumental errors in the Scripture? They thought they were awesome first, and then they found out they weren't, and it normally went badly, right? So he says, hey, here's a way to avoid this, sons. He says, be not wise in your own eyes. Don't think you know everything, because you probably don't. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. So there's a second instruction here. So have reverence for the Lord. He's God. We're not. And then what do we do? We turn away from evil. And again, if you look throughout the Proverbs, you can see that turn away, turn away, turn away. And it means make a 180. It's like our word for repentance in the New Testament. When we see that word, it's like stop doing what you're doing. Do the exact opposite, right? So Solomon, when he's talking to his sons, he sees them fighting or quarreling or making bad decisions. And he says, fear the Lord. Turn away from evil. Stop doing what you are doing and do something completely different, all right? So what's the result? Well, verse 8 says, it will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Have you ever instructed your kids and you're like, you know, like, this is going to go bad if they keep doing this. Like, stop, change what you're doing, do the exact opposite of what you're doing right now, because what is it going to do? If you don't, it's going to go really badly. And Solomon says, hey, hey, if you do this, what's going to happen? It's going to be healing to your flesh. And what else? Healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Solomon is going to continue to point back to this way of peace, this way of shalom that's like this perfect, complete peace that we have access to. And it's, it's this peace that like while everything else is going around, I, I don't know if you were up in the middle of the night last night and I got woken up. We kind of had a storm, weird storm that came through in November, rain, right? As the storm came through, I was like, what is going on, right? But... You might be disturbed by something like that in life. What happens when the difficulty of life comes, right? When there's a storm brewing and we go, where does our inner peace come from? Where does this peace that, what does it do? It heals our flesh and it is a refreshment to our bones. That's like, it doesn't get much deeper than that. Solomon's trying to help his sons understand you can rely on everything else. You can trust in other things, but it's not going to go well. There's going to be all this inner turmoil that's going on while you're making bad choices. And everybody else may not see it, but you'll know about it. And so he keeps directing the focus to the internal. 
And in verse 9, more instructions given. He says, honor the Lord with your wealth, the first fruit of all your produce. So what's a good idea to do with our time, our money, our resources? And, and, and why does he say this? Well, he's about to tell us as we're freeing up our hands and our time, our money, our resources. And I see so many of you guys doing that on a regular basis, plugged into ministry, um, giving faithfully, finding a place where you can invest in other people, uh, and just pouring yourselves out. And I've seen that at the end of the day. Sometimes uh, some of the things that we do in the places that we serve and doing ministry is hard, right? Is we care about people, staying up all night, right? And Dave and Rachel are like, yes, <laughs> we're still recovering, right? We're still recovering from that. And so, what, but what do we do? We go, we're going to do that joyfully. And so, like everything else, as we free our hands up on these other things, what happens? Well, verse 10 says, then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. So what's this idea? It, and it reminds me of a conversation that I had with Esther. She's in the hospital right now, by the way. So if you didn't see the email, continue to be praying for her. Uh, and so uh, she, she's been kind of in and out of the hospital the last several months and in rehab. And so um, I went to see her there. And then she was in rehab a few months ago. And we always have great conversations. She's a joy to talk to. Uh, and, and so I was there and, and I was like, you know, how's your day going? Oh, great. You know, Pastor, I just, I couldn't be more content. I was like, really? <laughs> you know, you're here, you're in rehab. How is that possible? She's like, and I asked her, I said, how, how do you maintain that? And she's like, well, you know, Pastor, when I think about life, and this is a great life that God has given me, I think about always having food on the table and always having clothes to wear. And I'm like, you know, <laughs> if we could be more like that, maybe that would give us better perspective, right? We complain about things that are so silly, like so trivial. But in the end, they don't really matter that much. And when we think about this verse, we go, well, if God doesn't give me everything that I want, if, you know, I'm going to give to him, whether that be our money, our time, our resources, and he owes me something. Wait a second. <laughs> That's not right. God gives us everything we need for life, right? And so we should be thankful for that, no matter what else happens. And Solomon says, guys, sons, your vats are going to be full. And he was talking about more than just the circumstantial things of life. And in verse 11, we need to focus on the right thing. What do we care about? Well, verse 11 says, My sons, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be wary of his reproof. We pull away from that so easily, don't we? Like, in the world that we live in, this constant um, combative nature towards anybody telling you you're wrong, right? <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> Have you ever had anybody say that to you? And just like, you, it, it's our gut reaction to react badly. Wait a second, I did something wrong. Okay. I never do anything wrong. I don't know if you knew that, <laughs> but that's our reaction a lot of the time. And so what does Solomon say? He says, hey, don't pull away from that. Don't pull back from that. Maybe you have somebody who's like a, a godly example in your life. Maybe somebody who teaches you, who lifts you up. Maybe that's your parents. Maybe that's a, a mentor, a friend, who somebody you can go to. And when they say something that maybe you don't want to hear, you can still hear it and you can still receive it. And so Solomon's going, don't forsake this. Don't despise the Lord's discipline because it comes in a lot of different forms and fashions. And what's the result of this? Well, he says in verse 12, for the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, a son, in whom he delights. What do we do for our kids if we love them? What does God do with us? He disciplines, he reproves, right? He speaks to us through his word, through other individuals. And there's those times we just go, I don't want to hear that. Like, I really like feeling like I am the best thing since sliced bread, right? We, we like to think that way about ourselves, but the truth is that we make mistakes every day. And so what does Solomon say? He says, hey, be ready to receive correction. Be ready to receive instruction. And it's hard at times, but what happens? Well, uh, we grow. He says, for the Lord reproves him who he loves 
as a father of the son in whom he delights. Isn't that interesting? It's like completely turns the concept of discipline on its head for us as a culture. We go, wait a second. Those who love discipline, those who love correct, those who love say, I think you're making a mistake here, right? And so what do we need to do? Solomon reminds him, hey, turn it around, all right? Turn it around. There's still time, okay? And so that's the first part of this, trust in the Lord. And then we're going to shift to the second part. So this is the second fill in the blank, hold on to the truth. And this has been a big theme, I think, for our church for a long time. And, um, you know, I'm glad I've, I've gotten to be part of the journey, my family, for the last a little over three years. But when I think about how long a church like this, because I look out, you know, from my living room window and I see it all the time, I think, like, how has God done that? How has God allowed a place to be established in a community, like, since almost since the beginning of that community, over 200 years ago? And I'm like, that's just, it blows my mind. And, not, and we're all the beneficiaries of that, but there's all these other faithful people who went before us, and what did they do? They held on to the truth, and that made the difference, okay? So let's go through this. Uh, verse 13 says, Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. So how do we come to this place? Well, um, uh, church father Cyprian said this uh, about the verse before and leading into this. He said, If God chastises uh, those whom he loves and chastises that he may correct brethren also, and priests particularly, do not hate love those whom they chastise, that they may be corrected. Now, Cyprian knew it's like, hey, if God loves us, he's given us his truth, and it's not always easy to read. And there's times like I'm, I'm reading through my Bible, or I'm listening to it, and I'm like, oh, maybe I made a mistake there. Or maybe I need to, maybe I need to change something. You know what? This area of my life is not matching up when it comes to God's word. And it's hard to hear, but God goes, hey, like a father, he says, I love you, and I want you to, want you to grow, and don't, don't, don't just kick that truth to the curb, because what do we do? What is our culture doing? They're saying, I don't like truth because it hurts my feelings. So forget that, and I'm going to do what I want. And it's gone pretty badly, hasn't it? Right? For us as believers, though, we can, uh, we can hold on to wisdom, right? And this um, word for being blessed, it's not like I think we see in our culture on a regular basis, like to be blessed is to what? Have a big house, have lots of money, have everything you want, like nobody's sick, everything's going exactly the way you want it to go. Well, no, this is not what Solomon is talking about. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. How, how valuable should that be to us? Um, well, I hope it's valuable to us as a people, as a church, because in verse 14, he talks about that. He says in verse 14, for the gain from her is better than gain from silver and her profit better than gold. Not a lot of things that hold their value nowadays or that are profitable, except for things like precious metals. And this is why he talks about it, because this, this word is timeless. And Solomon says, hey, this gain is better than silver and gold. How many of us would say like, bag of gold, wisdom? If you put that before the world, they're going to go, bag of gold, <laughs> right? Every time I'll take the gold. And Solomon says, look, man, sons, I've had it all. I've lived it all. I've, I've everything you could possibly want in life. Solomon was arguably the most successful king in all of Israel's history. Um, he amassed the most wealth, most kingdom. You know, he uh, built the temple. And when everybody would look at him, they'd go like, man, super successful. Like there's nobody else better. And Solomon's like, I would give it all away in an instant. Uh, this wisdom that God has given me as well, gold, silver, not worth comparing to it. Uh, we need to hear that today. Uh, he keeps going. He says in verse 15, She is more precious than jewels, and nothing you can, can desire 
can compare with her. So what do we desire in this life, right? We talked about it, maybe long life, maybe a good retirement plan, the good 401k or wherever else you put that. Um, maybe success for our children, right? We pray for that probably on a regular basis that they would be um, healthy, happy, have a good life. And no, those things are not bad. They're not really the ultimate goal because he said, what's more precious anything you could possibly desire in life, even good things? Well, wisdom, it's greater, right? And in verse 16, um, <clears throat> he says, long life in her right hand, in her left hand, our riches and honor. And again, we have to look at this from this perspective over time, right? There's all these things that we can acquire, these things we can gain. He's already said wisdom is better than silver and gold and jewels and anything else that you could possibly desire in life. But as you live wisely, what is he saying? Long life is in the right hand. And again, this ties back to this idea at the beginning of the text. He's going, it's not about, because when we hear long life, we're going like, I hope I can get 100, right? That's not the point. Solomon's going, hey, It's about this quality of following after God. It doesn't matter what you can gain, what you can attain, how successful you are, your family is, what kind of reputation you have. David talked about that in the quiet time as well. Like As we read through the Psalms, uh, David and Solomon, the other guys who wrote different parts of the Psalms, they're not going, here's the point of life. It's about power, wealth, acquisition, reputation. Solomon had all that, right? And he said, it's not worth anything compared to knowing God and his wisdom. And here we go. It gets even better. He says in verse 17, her ways are ways of pleasantness and all her paths are peace. That's pleasantness. This word in the Hebrew means kindness, um, delightfulness, beauty. Psalm 27, 4 uses the same word. It says, one thing I've asked the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire into his temple. And this is this picture of somebody who says, there are wonderful things in life, and God blesses us tremendously. He does. But anything else in comparison to God's beauty, like you put it on a scale, God's beauty is always going to win. Knowing him personally, being wise, and having discretion. Where does this lead us? Well, her ways are the ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. What, what do we have access to? It's like what we talked about. As the storm is raging all around us, maybe you imagine yourself being on a whitewater rapid. I got the opportunity to do that in uh, Colorado in the mountains a number of years ago. Uh, uh, one of the, uh, I think, most scare, scary, terrifying, and fun experiences uh, of my life. I got to do that. But at the same time, uh, we, when we think about that, we have to go, it's kind of like we're watching everybody else around us, the rest of the world. that's on that rapid, and they're like, I don't know, am I going to fall off? Am I going to be okay? It's like you're in this canoe in still water while everything else around you is going crazy. And I just got that picture this morning as I was thinking about like peace, shalom, completeness. How do we have access to this? A raging storm is going on around us. Well, it's because of where we're rooted. It says in, says in verse 18, she's a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold her fast are called blessed. And we came back to that word blessed for a reason. And I'm going to tell you what the word here is in the Hebrew, what it means. Blessed, the word ashar, it's better translated as happiness or joy, no matter what else is going on. Kind of changes the meaning for us, right? So when we see like hashtag blessed, (laughs) you know, it's not going like everything is perfect. Everything is right. Nothing is wrong. Nothing is difficult right now because when Solomon says this, he says, those who hold faster, right? There's this tree of wisdom that God gives to believers that if we're rooted in, like if we're holding on to, there's nothing 
that will be able to move us, right? There's nothing that's going to be able to shake us. He says, those who hold faster are called blessed, right? It means a little bit different for us if we understand the Hebrew, the word ashar, joy, no matter what else, right? And in verse 19, he says, the Lord by wisdom founded the earth by understanding he established the heavens. So he, he turns from going, hey, here's what wisdom is. Here's where we can be rooted to. And he goes, do you know where this came from? Because I'm sure her sons are like, well, I've heard this other stuff, and this seems good. Well, you know, what about this advice from my friend? And it seems like it's better than what God's Word is saying. No, he says, do you know where this wisdom came from? Let's see. He says, the Lord by wisdom founded the earth by understanding he established the heavens. This should blow our mind like God preexistent before the, the universe existed. He goes, I'm going to make the world. I'm going to do it with my wisdom, right? Isn't it amazing how like science and mathematics and physics and all those things, they line up with God's creation? He goes, because I know everything, because I'm wise, uh, I'm going to not only create the universe, but then, this, is, this should be profound for us, Solomon goes, hey, that God who made everything, the world and everything, is, remember what he did? He spoke the world into existence. And then he says, that same God who created by his wisdom, he says, here's my wisdom that I created with. You can have knowledge and understanding. You can have access to it. And he doesn't withhold it from us. No, he goes, this exact wisdom that we have, it's almost like a superpower. Like you've been asked, like, um, if you were a superhero, what superpower would you choose? Who would choose to fly? That's mine, right? All right, Hallie's like, yeah, birthday girl, I'd fly if I could. Superpower, right? And I know there's, there's a lot of other ones out there, you know, control over elements or whatever. You know, it's kind of fun to think about. But... If we think about wisdom in its true light in the character of God, present with him before the foundation of the world, he says he created, and then by the way, you have access to this superpower. No, it's true. Verse 20 says, by his knowledge, the deeps broke open and the clouds dropped down the dew. Isn't it an amazing thing? It's like you walk outside. This time of the year, it should be frost, but it's still like wet <laughs> right now, uh, So, which is a blessing in and of itself. But you walk outside, and Alana asked me, you know, we're going to school, and she's like, why is everything wet? <laughs> you walk outside, why? Because the dew from heaven, right? God gives that every morning. It's a reminder of his nature, his character, how the world works. But what did he do? With his wisdom, he created by his mouth. You go back, don't believe me, you go back to Genesis 1. What, is, what, is, what happens? God says, well... It says here, verse 3, it says, God said, let there be light. And every other thing preceding that, it says, God said, God said, God said. And what does he finish with? Let us make man in our own image, right? Isn't it beautiful? I mean, isn't it wonderful, like God's wisdom at work and how he, he doesn't just go like, I'm giving you like this little, like tiny fraction, like, you know, earthly kind of wisdom. No, he says, I'm giving you access to my own wisdom, which I use to create the world, and everything in it. And so we'll finish with this last couple of verses, starting verse 21. It says, my son, do not lose sight of these, do not lose sight of these. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. What is he saying? We need to keep these things close to us, sound wisdom and discretion. Maybe you found yourself in a place, maybe younger, maybe even recently, and an idea popped in your mind. You thought, that would be a good idea. It carried out to fruition, and it turned out it wasn't such a great idea. But did we ever stop to go, I have access to God's wisdom. I have access to a wisdom that God used to create the world. So why wouldn't even with just like the simple things of life, we would go like, God, what should I do here? 
you have, you've given me all access to wisdom and to discretion. So this word here for wisdom is tashio, and it just means a sound or abiding or efficient wisdom directly supplied by God. It's used 12 times in the Old Testament, so not a lot, the sound wisdom. It's not just like, I think that was a good choice, or I think this might be the right choice. No, in Proverbs 2, 7, it says, he stores up sound wisdom for the, who? The upright. He stores it up for God's people. And he's going like, hey, it's, it's here. It's never ending. You have access to it. It's been stored up for you. And what else does it say? So it's stored up for the upright. And what is he? He is a shield for those who walk in integrity, right? So we have access to it. We gain access to it. And then God's going, I'm a shield for you. And this is because I've given you access. And this word here for discretion, um, it's used just a few times in the Old Testament. The word mezamal, and it means this pur- purposeful direction, device, or plot with a godly purpose. And so we read this. Yeah, we want sound wisdom. God, he stores it up for us. And he's given us this access to discretion that um, knows what to do in the difficulties, in the difficult situations or whatever situations in life we're coming in contact with. And um, it's used one, a couple other places, but I'm going to read Job 42.2. It says, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose or discretion of yours can be thwarted. So we worship a God. He gives us access to this, what, to the upright wisdom, knowledge, discretion. Solomon says, if you do anything else, sons, don't let go of these things. Stay close to them. Why? Because, well, we have a choice. And Job had a choice as well. If you see the things that went on in his life, at the end, he goes, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose, no discretion of yours can be thwarted. This, this is this comparison. This is going like, okay, I know what I want to do. I know what the world would say, and, and, and that's even worked well for some people. But at the end of the day, like, where does our decision-making come from? How do we go, here's a choice, here's a choice. How do I make the right one? We go, God, I want your purpose. I want your discretion. I want you to inform me and help me make the right decision. Discretion, we need it. So, um, Alana and Hannah, two of my daughters, Alana and Hannah Sydney, we're not really in that place where she's like, no, I don't want to listen to you. Uh, that'll come. Uh, right now, it's just uh, the first two. And so, they're capable of a lot of things. And as you know, at times, it's hard to keep them corralled, right? They're doing this thing where, like, you know, don't leave the sanctuary. I want to keep you within my vision of you. And they're like, why is that important? Because I love you and I want to keep you close to me. And the same type of understanding with discretion, God's going, he's like, I've got sound wisdom, and I've got discretion. It's stored up for you. You have access to it, but you've got to keep it close, right? Like, we would, like nobody would go outside and be like, hey, go run towards the street. No, stay close to me because I love you. Where is knowledge? Where is wisdom? Where is discretion going to come from? From mom and dad. That's who's going to teach you. That's going to help, who's going to help you grow. And God's going like a father, loves his son. Stay close to him. And there's a choice too, right? For us, as his children, we can go, no, thank you. And we do that from time to time, don't we? And we wonder why things go badly. He's going to finish this in verses 22 through 24. It says, and they will be life for your soul and adornment for your neck. He keeps talking about that. Like, why put it around your neck? What do we do with, like, necklaces and things, like, remind us of good things, like charms or the cross? Because they're a reminder of what we love, right? We put them around our neck, around our fingers, rings to remind us of those things, right? Why do we wear a wedding band? Well, hopefully we don't forget, guys, right? <laughs> but why do we wear these things as a reminder, right? Of a commitment that we made 
And Solomon's going, don't forget. Wear it wherever you go. Hold on to it. Okay? He's given it to us. And in verse 23, then you will walk on your way securely and your foot will not stumble. Again, this doesn't mean it's like it's not like there's going to not be a bad day, right? We're going to be like, what happened? Like, I can't believe the situation happened. I don't know how we're going to get out of this. But no, he's, he's saying when you walk on your way, well, you're going to walk securely and your foot's not going to stumble, right? So we have access to this security that God gives. In Proverbs 5, 2, it says that you may keep discretion and your lips may guard knowledge, right? Hold on to it. It's easy to find, right? We've talked about that. But God says, stay close. Stay close to me. And then verse 24, what's the result of all this, right? You can keep reading in the proverb if you want to. We don't have time for that today. You can keep reading it. But in verse 24, he kind of gives us a place where we can stop. We can go, okay, trusting in the Lord. What does that produce for us? And then holding on to truth. Why is that so important? Well, he says, verse 24, if you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Now, I don't know about you, but with lots of little children in our house, our sleep is always, not always sweet, right? And when you think about that, you can think about a little baby like our baby. We're holding Sydney, and you're like, she sleeps sweet. When does she do that? When she's been fed, when she's been burped, and she relaxes, and she knows she's being held by her parent who loves her, and she sleeps sweetly. So I wonder, like, what... For you, what helps you to sleep sweetly at night? Um, there's a reason that Solomon says this, because again, where was he at? He was in the ancient world, where at any time, like middle of the night, a conquering force could come. They didn't have satellites, didn't have telescopes. They couldn't be like going, okay, somebody radioed ahead 100 miles, and somebody's coming to destroy us. They would show up at your doorstep with an army. And Solomon's going, how do I sleep well at night? Knowing that people want the throne, knowing that somebody might just pop up over the horizon, and then we're done for he says, well, if you do this, you will be able to lie down and you won't be afraid, right? Solomon had sweet sleep. If you look at the Proverbs and Psalms, what David and Solomon, a lot of what they said was like, there's one thing that lets me sleep good at night, and it's trusting in the Lord, and it's holding on to his truth, right? So I hope you can do that tonight. Hopefully you don't get awoken by another storm uh, this evening. But Solomon didn't want his sons to lose sight of this. He said, trust in the Lord and hold on to truth. And so I want to close with this, just a time for us to uh, pray, because these are simple concepts, right? Trusting in the Lord, holding on to truth, they, they shouldn't be difficult for us, but every day, you know, it seems like we struggle. And I struggle too, and I go, God, I, I want that. I want to be close to you. I don't want to be the kid who runs away, runs towards the street. I want to be the kid who's like, please teach me. I'm here. Um, I need to grow in knowledge and wisdom every day and be close to him. And so um, with that, I want to just lead us in a time um, just to pray. And maybe that's for somebody else. Maybe you're like, there's somebody in my life that just like, they, I, I know they made a decision at some point, but they've been running from God. And I'm like, I, I want them to become wise again. I want them to know God deeply and intimately. Um, maybe for you in the room or listening online, you're like, I, I haven't even taken that first step. You're like, there's two steps. Well, the first is trusting in God. And that he sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross for our sins. That if we'd admit we were sinners, believe that he died on the cross for our sins. Confess with our mouths, he's the Lord of our lives. Like David shared earlier, there was 84 kids like came Friday night and they had no idea. They were like, hockey game, yes, so awesome. And then they showed up and they were like, life changed, right? Because then they had access to God's wisdom, to his discretion because they knew him for the first time, right? And life's journey, it keeps going. And so maybe for you, you're here and you're like, I'm just trying to trust in the Lord. If you need to do that for the first time, I want to pray for you. Uh, maybe you're just struggling. You're like, times are difficult. Times are hard. 
Uh, maybe school is not what you thought it was going to be. Students, you're like, it's hard. Like, I'm getting towards the end. I just don't know if I can do it. Senioritis is setting in, and you're like, I'm ready. I'm ready. And God's going, hey, I've got something more for you. Truth, we need to hold on to it. Maybe you need to help somebody else. Maybe you've just been kind of like sitting on the sideline, and you're like, I, I, I've been a believer for a long time, but I need to teach. I need to instruct. I need to give wise counsel. We need to pray for opportunities for that. Maybe it's just like somebody said to me the other day, Maybe we're just sitting on our blessed assurance, and we're going like, I'm going to heaven, but everybody else, like, I don't care about. Maybe we need to just take that third step. Maybe there's a third step here today. There's two for sure. Maybe the third one is just going like, what can I do right now to make sure there are those other people in my life that don't know God that get that opportunity, okay? Um, So let's enter into a prayer time together. The first thing I want us to pray for is that if there's somebody here today that doesn't know God, maybe you're listening online, let's pray for them right now. Um, that uh, they would make a decision to follow Jesus. So let's pray for that first. Second thing to pray for, um, maybe you're struggling I just uh, want to ask you to either pray for yourself or somebody else you know who already knows the Lord, um, but is just struggling with that. God, I, I want to just trust you daily. Um, surely we each one of, one of us in the room need that too, so let's pray for that, that we would trust the Lord daily with everything and for those who are around us right now. Next thing, we want to hold on to truth. I just want to ask us that we would pray for that. Um, So let's go ahead and do that now. Maybe you're in this phase of life where uh, you've known God for a long time. Um, and maybe you just never had the opportunity to share with anybody else or to instruct or encourage. Um, <clears throat> let's ask the Lord today. It's a scary prayer, but um, let's ask the Lord today to give, give us those that we could invest in um, in the coming weeks and months um, and year. Uh, maybe this will be a goal for next year. Let's pray for that, that, you, God, you would give us um, the, uh, others to invest in um, with what you've already given us. God will close with this. Um, you know, these concepts, they seem simple, but they're so hard for us to follow sometimes. Um, God, simple things of, like the scorpion and the fox, some things just seem like a bad decision, and those are obvious to us. But uh, for every other area of life, uh, we just pray that you would um, help us. We need help daily to trust in you, um, to not just see the world from a worldly lens, uh, but to truly see it the way that you do to make good and wise decisions, not just off of what we think, our own discretion. Let us not trust in that, but with all of our hearts, uh, help us to trust in you, the truth of your word, um, that this wisdom that you give us access to that's uh, never-ending, you store it up for us. I pray that we would uh, 
gain access to it daily. We would hold on to this truth, whether it be through the quiet time or um, other readings um, in your word, um, being instructed by other godly believers. I pray that we would do that um, daily. And um, it's in your name we pray. Amen. Have a wonderful day, church.